to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Bill Gross. And Bill is an expert on Los Angeles probate. And he also hosts a weekly call to discuss how to get sales in probate, how to engage with probate attorneys, and more probate related topics for real estate agents and investors. So he is somebody you definitely want to have in your back pocket and maintain a really great relationship with because we do not want to get in the state of probate and want to try to avoid that as much as possible. So Bill, welcome to the show. And how are you doing today? Thank you, Lean. I'm doing great. Nice to uh, chat with you. Same here. So Bill, I'd love to hear if you can share a little bit more about your background and what you're focusing on. Sure. So I grew up in Southern California most of my life in Orange County. I grew up in La Habra. Uh, nobody brags or lies about that, by the way, as we discussed. Um, and I went to school at USC and I lived most of my life in LA County. I spent two years in Florida, but I started in computers electronics. And then in 1986, before you were born, my brother was in real estate and took me, uh, to, we went to lunch together and, and said, Hey, why don't you just pretend like you're my partner? He had been in real estate and, uh, we stopped by a client and we chatted a little bit. I thought well, that's kind of interesting and fun. And then a couple weeks later, we went to lunch again and we did the same thing. And I thought it was kind of interesting. And so I went for a career change and decided to check out real estate. And I've been in it ever since. And so uh, I've been in mortgages as well as real estate sales and management and consulting. I've been an agent and a manager and an owner. And I currently have a real estate business based in LA um, where I have my own practice where I help investors and uh, people who need to sell property, as well as help other agents and investors build their business. Awesome. So Bill, can you share with us what is probate and can you give us a top level overview of what that is? We hear that a lot of times, but what does it really mean and why is it important to us and why is it something that we should be thinking about? Sure. So one of my really good friends, Tani English, told me this line. She said that probate is like when you die, that you sue yourself. <laughs> and then whatever crumbs are left over of your estate get passed on to your heirs. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. That's one way to put it. And you sue yourself by paying money to and getting involved with the same people that run the DMV. That's probate. So what does that mean? So somebody passes and they haven't made proper planning, then the state of California will help them determine how their assets get passed on. Now, if you have less than $167,000, it's a very streamlined process. If you own a house, it's going to be worth more than that. doesn't matter how much equity you have. You have a million-dollar house and owe $900,000 on it, but you have to go to probate to get that property changed, title changed from whoever passed to whoever the heirs are. Now, there's exceptions. Some deeds 
will transfer the property. Husband and wife, husband passes, it goes to the wife or the, or vice versa. Or joint tenants, one passes, it goes to the other one. But other deeds, and if there's no beyond the deed as well, then you have to determine, well, how do we change title on this property? How do we transfer? How do you refinance or sell it? You can avoid probate, not by having a will. Big misconception. Number one mistake, people think, well, I have a will. I don't need to worry about it. The will is what you would take to court to get the court to follow to determine how to probate your property. So mother, father pass, son has a will or daughter has a will. You have to go to court and get a probate and say, oh, here's the will and please follow the the will. And and it costs money and time. A probate on a million dollar estate in California, which is not a lot of money, house could be 500,000 or a million or more, can cost $23,000 of legal fees plus expenses. So you can avoid probate if you set up a living trust. So basically you create an entity called a living trust. You put your assets in the living trust with instructions so that when you pass, you designate somebody to act as the administrator of the trust, and then they'll do what you want with it at that time. So that's why we strongly encourage anybody who owns a house to get a living trust and then deed the property into that living trust. Got it. So within the living trust itself, is there anything that we need to specify to make sure that it doesn't go to probate or are there any loopholes that somehow if we don't capture it in those living trusts, that it will still go to probate? Well, one thing that my father, who was an attorney in Whittier, California, taught me years ago, which which is anybody can sue anybody for anything. So just because you have a living trust doesn't mean there won't be litigation, it won't be contested. In fact, most big trusts big families with you know big assets, billion-dollar assets and such, they're all litigated because you can always hire an attorney and litigate whatever you want. But what I would say is that the biggest mistake people make with living trusts is they go to an attorney or a service, they create the living trust, which is like a box, and they forget to put the property in the box. So if you want a property in your own name, Bill and Nancy Gross, husband and wife, community property, we create a trust. We then have to deed the trust, I'm sorry, deed the property into the trust. So from Bill and Nancy, husband and wife, and to the Bill and Nancy trust. And now it's in the box. That's the biggest mistake people make. And if you make the mistake, you have to go back to probate court to get that corrected. But there's no foolproof answer. I think that what I would suggest is if you have a simple trust, there are very inexpensive uh, services you can use, similar to LegalZoom.com. But if you have a more complicated trust, let's say you have prior marriages with kids or blended families or a business or complicated assets, then you really need to get a trust specialist attorney. Again, the biggest mistake people make is they pick an attorney they know and like who maybe did their corporation papers or maybe did their DWI. You want an estate planning specialist if you have substantial assets. So do they consider within the trust itself, is there any differentiation between how we should handle it or how we should incorporate it? If it's a personal residence, home, real estate asset versus an investment type asset. So you would want to put all your assets in the trust because basically then you can think of it like a, like a computer program. You can program how you want them disposed. So you could say, for example, the personal residence should stay in the family you know, after mom or dad pass, if the kids want to live there, you know, this kid has the first right to live there or however you want to handle. And you might, with the investment assets, say either split them up 
or you might say we want them sold, but the proceeds be split up evenly. You know, however you want your assets distributed, you can write those rules in the instructions for your trust and with a proper estate plan, make those appropriate answers. So some in some cases, you'd want to keep the property in the family. In other cases, you want to sell the assets and, and let them dispose of them. And then you have to determine you know, what kind of income do you have provided for? So if you have stocks and bonds, maybe you liquidate those and keep the real estate or vice versa. But it is important that you plan that out, however you want to do that. That's also why often estate planning includes a life insurance component, because you might have a whole portfolio of great real estate, but there's some taxes and expenses due. How are you going to pay for that? Well, you might have to sell the asset to pay for it. But if you have life insurance, now you've created some cash the estate can use to pay for those things. So again, that's where an estate planner comes involved and can help you get, depending on what you want, can actually help accomplish that. So if we have a living trust established, is a will necessary still? Yeah. A will would be a piece of a proper estate plan. You would create a a trust. Now, I'm not an attorney. I'm not giving legal advice. I'm just sharing with you the advice I've gotten from interviewing numerous attorneys and, and dealing with this and having a trust myself. So part of the estate plan includes what's called a pour over will, which says, Anything I forgot to put in the trust gets poured into the trust. So it would be part of a proper estate plan. Got it. And so as you are either putting together the trust yourself uh, in order to plan for your heirs or the sales of your asset and how to distribute it, if something had ever happened to you, who are the types of people that you would need to engage with in order to kind of get that all aligned? Would it have to be like your real estate attorneys, other real estate professionals as well? Also, you mentioned like life insurance. Who are some of the other people that we would need to have these conversations with? Or is it just the specialist? Well, I think it's just the estate planning attorney would be the really the point, the point person, the quarterback. If there's complicated questions, I have oftentimes had estate attorneys reach out to me with questions regarding real estate and documents and things like that. But they should be familiar with tax laws and and the legal aspects of the various parts of your estate. Sometimes they'll bring in an accountant to provide specific advice and specific issues. So I would say most likely whoever your accountant is, CPA, will be part of the program as well, depending on how big your how big your trust is. If it's just a couple of pieces of property, probably not a big deal. But if you get more complicated and you have multiple errors, then you'll need to have an account to make sure. And it has to be reviewed because the laws change regularly. The tax laws and inheritance laws like that change, especially here in California. And so if this is the first time that somebody would like to engage with a probate attorney or a specialist, mm-hmm. what is the best way to approach it and to you know establish a good conversation to kind of get the ball rolling? Right. So great question. And I think that this is an area that people make a big mistake on. First off, there's a difference between a state planning attorney and a probate attorney. Some attorneys do both. My experience is the best ones do one or the other because probate is different than estate planning at its core. There are two different activities, two different, they're related, the law and the process is related. But the skill set, in my experience, is different. And so you really want to make sure you're working with a state planning specialist. And I would recommend talk to professionals that deal with estate planning attorneys, like your CPA, like your real estate agent, like your investment advisor, and get recommendations from them from an estate planning attorney. But you really want somebody who this is really what they do all day long. Either they set up estates or they administer estates. 
Somebody who litigates in estates is a litigator. Somebody who works in probate is a probate attorney, in my experience. And somebody who tries to do both or all three is stretching themselves a little thin for somebody, especially if you have a complicated estate. Now, if you just have a simple estate plan, again, you, I think you can go online and do that. There's a number of services. I use um, easy-probate.com. LegalZoom has that. If you're just a husband, wife, no kids, one piece of property, it's a great tool. It's inexpensive. And I just find more people will fall through on it that way. But again, if you have more complicated issues, multiple real estate, blended families, complicated family situations, businesses, then you really need an attorney, I would reach out to the other professionals and get referrals and meet with them and make sure you're working with somebody who is a specialist in that field. Typically, I find the specialists in that field do regular webinars and or live meetings, and they'll present both the case as to why you need it and why you should consider them to be your resource. And so I would look for those kind of free presentations, either online or in person, depending on what, what you need. And what's typically a good practice on updating and making sure that everything is up to date when you're doing yeah. estate planning? Yeah, great question. I tell people minimum every five years because the laws change. Uh, and of course, any major life changes, children, change of property, change of finances, you have to re- rethink, is this going to affect our estate plan? And maybe run it by the attorney. And most attorneys are available for the ones I work with in Norwich County, LA County, most of them you know, will entertain a phone call and you know, for a quick update. And if necessary, make those updates to your plan. And so what if now we are the ones who are looking at a property that is currently in probate? Mm-hmm. How do we typically approach that? And I guess, how long does a process typically take in California? Well, probate is a very broad topic with a lot of various circumstances. So it can mean anything. It could be from a probate property could be just like a regular transaction, maybe a few forms are different, to a complicated nightmare that will drive you crazy unless you enjoy the process. And so I think the important thing is if you get involved into probate real estate as an investor or a buyer, that you work with a professional who is experienced with this and can help you on the particular property you're looking for, explain to you what the pros and cons are or the risks or the, the issues. I'll give you an example. Most probates where the person managing the estate, the executor administrator, have what's called full authority, meaning the court says, basically, you can pretty much do whatever you want. We trust you for whatever reasons. You're bonded or you have an insurance policy to verify that you'll be good for the actions or your history. The court gives you full authority. As a buyer of that property, pretty much is like any other transaction. The form's a little different. There's one form they have to file that says, we plan to sell the house to Eileen Prack for X amount of dollars. They file that. And if nobody complains, the sale goes through. The problem is that sometimes you'll discover a error who'll say, hey, 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 you forgot about me. And I think you're selling the house too cheap. So I'm going to object to the sale. Now you're a buyer your money is in escrow, you did your appraisal, you did your inspections, maybe you had the moving van ready to go. You're thinking you're closing escrow in two weeks, three weeks. And now you find out, no, it's going to be months of litigation. And how do you get out of that? So that's a case where you want to have a real estate professional to look at the case and help you understand what the risks are and help protect you if you're the buyer in those transactions. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. 
Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And a real estate professional, is it like your real estate agent or is there a Mm -hmm. specialist um, on top of that? I think that I'm talking about a real estate agent who specializes in private real estate, really knows what they're doing. And you'll find some real estate agents who will say they are because they took a class, but they don't really know what they're doing. And you'll find others are very knowledgeable. And so it just depends on, you have to find somebody who really knows what they're doing in the area, in, in the county, in the area that you do business in. I work in California. I know California law pretty well. I work mostly in LA, Orange, a little bit in San Diego counties. So I have access to resources in those areas. I can look up a case and see if there's potential sharks to worry about. And I also offered anybody, any of your listeners, they have questions, they're welcome to reach out to me and just ask a question or two. And I could, in most cases, in LA or Orange or San Diego, look up the case and help them give them maybe a quick overview of what they're faced with if there's potential issues. So they should feel free to reach out to me. I get, I get phone calls every day on different situations. I'm glad to answer them for free. Occasionally, they end up doing business with me, but for the most part, I can just help people with their problems. I'm glad to do it. I also have my own uh, Zoom call I do once a week on Thursdays called probateweekly.com. And it's a Zoom call Thursdays, 4 p.m. And then we record it and put that on YouTube. And so that might be a resource for somebody to go there and ask questions, put a question in the chat box. I'm glad to help answer those questions. Awesome. Yes, we'll definitely put that in the show notes so people can easily find it if they're looking for um, some additional resources. Mm-hmm. So for looking for a specialist in real estate, one of the things you mentioned is wanting to make sure that they are really an expert in the field. Mm-hmm. What are some questions that we can ask them to ensure that they are a specialist and they know what they're talking about? Sure. If they have a coffee mug that says Probate <laughs> Weekly... <laughs> um, I just that for fun, and I, I, I give it to the host, uh, to the guests I have on my on the show. I think, like anything else, you want to ask questions like, you know, how many probate sales have you done? Have you represented buyers or investors on buying this kind of property before? And it's either yes or no. And I think that it's funny. You know, I started in this field, and I took classes, and I went to court regularly, and learned a lot about it. And I had a friend who was an attorney who said, hey, I have another friend who's an attorney who works in probate. You should call her and do business with her. I know you're a great realtor and let her know you do probate. And I called her up and, and emailed her. And she emailed me back and said, well, how many probate listings have you sold? And I said, well, I've sold property as a buyer's agent, never as a listing. And she emailed me back and said, well, I would never do business with an agent who hadn't listed property and sold it. And it, it hurt when she said that, but I thought, okay, well, I understand why she would say that. So a year later, I sold 25 listings. I think the number one most probate sales in LA County, court confirmation sales of any agent. And I, and I couldn't wait to send her that email. Hey, I, I here's the report. I was number one. I've done more than anybody else. And, and she never took my phone call. So the moral of the story is sometimes that you know we need somebody that we know, like, and trust. And this case, they should also be able to support your needs, whether they themselves are an expert or they have somebody that they can reach out to that's an expert. And I would say, if you have a real estate agent you, that you really want to work with, 
and they're not experts in, in probate, feel free to have them call me as well. And I'm glad to help. I work, I work with real estate agents every day, helping them understand the depths of it. But they, to answer your question, I would just ask them how many they've done and see if their experience sounds like they know what they're talking about. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're providing a lot of resources for everybody out there. And so definitely thank you so much for making yourself available. My pleasure. I enjoy it. And so how has real estate investing impacted your life so far, Bill? Well, um, I mean, I've made money and accumulated wealth thanks to real estate. You know, the first house I bought, uh, my wife and I, we first got married, I bought a house in Diamond Bar and we bought it for $142,000. And a year later, we sold it for two forty two dollars and put that money into the next house. And that was a lot more than I made in my prior, you know, now this goes back years. This was like 1987. So this was more than probably two years salary before I was in real estate. And so real estate has been critical to building wealth and, and providing income for my family. I mean, I live a really nice life. We've raised our daughter, Sarah, to private school from pre-kindergarten through high school and college. She's married now. We have a grandson and spoil him rotten and <laughs> remodeled our house to make a nursery. So we're the grandparents that they can bring a grandchild to. So we lived a great life. So real estate has been, you know, has financed just an incredible life for me financially. And we've traveled and done a lot of amazing things and, and hope to do more. That's what grandparents are best for is to spoil the kids and to give them all the love and then give them back to the parents. <laughs> well, my wife likes to change diapers. So I get to hand it off to her, hand him off to her. And she did, even handles that part of the chore. But yeah, definitely. It's our job to spoil our grandson. Yes. And yeah, and definitely because we have our children ourselves. And so grandparents are definitely an absolute blessing to have. Thanks. Thanks so much. So Bill, what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? You know, I think that I think all business and real estate, for sure, part of it is best played for a long term perspective. I think that when you're young, you think, well, you're young, I can always make money, I can always make it back if I risk it. And I also think about a strategy to compound the value. And I also think compounding contacts. I think that I'm a full time real estate professional. The biggest mistake most investors and professionals make is not keeping every name, address, phone number, and email of people you meet and accumulating a, a wealth of contacts. And I think in, in financing as well, we overestimate how much money we can make in some business venture. We underestimate the value over time that the investments we have, if they're properly managed, will, will turn into. I would say the longer term perspective is really important. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate? I think the people who I've met who are most successful in real estate work at it consistently over time. I see a lot of coaching programs and promises made and people bragging about how much they did in a year or two. But when I dig in deep, I find the people who've really created value for themselves and the people around them are people who do it consistently, seriously over time. And Bill, do you have any tools or techniques that you've used to improve the efficiency of your business or your life that you can share with us today? Well, you know, I started in technology and I've always made technology kind of my hobby so that I can rely on the technology to do some of the administrative work that otherwise I have to do. So I just buy the newest iPhone. I push all my technology to the limit. I use a task manager to do to track all my to-dos and, and tasks. I don't know if there's anything particular that I would say that's earth shattering. I'll give you an example of my house. I happen to live in a neighborhood where we have not one, but two fiber connections. You might say, well, why do you need two? Well, one's for the house, one's for my business. 
You know, I make a lot of money. And as a business, to spend an extra 50 bucks a month to have a one gigabyte fiber connection is worth it. So I have a better connection for phone and for video and things like that. So I don't know if there's anything particular. I will say that I look to leverage my time with technology and people so I can be more productive the time that I do work. Awesome. Well, Bill, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I've definitely learned a lot about probate from you today. Aileen, thank you so much. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And if I can help you, please feel free to reach out. Awesome. And other than the YouTube or the YouTube channel and your probate website, was there any other place that you know listeners can find out more about you? Sure. You can find out more about me and learn about probate on my website, thelaprobateexpert.com, T-H-E-L-A-P-R-O-B-A-T-E, expert.com. And I have different probate resources on there and the links to my show and to my videos and things like that all on the website. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Bill. Aileen, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.